morning. Well, I loved all those songs. Those were a great place to come and worship this morning. And I'm excited about the message that the Lord has for us today. So if you'll turn with me, we'll continue to be studying in the book of John. So we're going to be on <clears throat> page 1225 in the church's Bible, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, page 1225. As I have been studying in the book of John, I have noticed how he has been building on each message each week. And the places that he's chosen were designed to do that. So I love looking at this. I want to take you back to look through the chapters just a little bit before we start with today's message. So as John began to teach us in chapter 1, if you remember, the very impactful message is he's trying to help us understand who Jesus is. And so he starts off and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he began to help us to understand that Jesus is this word, this word logos. And he is the very expressions, the very thoughts of God. The every, every idea that God has, he is the perfect plan of God. And it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And I love uh, this place Daniel was talking about, of this place of weighted, this place of his presence just weighing down upon us. And so I love that understanding that we can behold this place, his glory. And then it goes on and talks in chapter 1 and helps us to uh, look a little bit at John the Baptist as he comes and he wants us to, un John wants us to understand a little bit further what John the Baptist's message is. And he tells us that John sees Jesus coming as he's baptizing in the Jordan. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus is the lamb and he is the word and he is the lamb and then he goes a little further in chapter one and and the rabbis uh, i'm sorry the disciples he begins to call them to follow him so he finds these these people right where they are and he makes known to them who he is and they even come and declare we've found the messiah so jesus is the word and he is the lamb and he is the messiah and jesus says to them follow me then we find ourselves in chapter two and we studied this several weeks ago and and this is the wedding that jesus comes to and he changes the water into the wine and the lord helped us to see that this was a picture of Jesus as he is going to pour out his blood for all those who are attending the wedding and those who are his true followers, that Jesus' blood would be the one poured out for us. It changes from the ceremonial cleansing 
that was needed in the Old Testament of water to the new covenant where Jesus' blood is poured out. Chapter 3 reminds us uh, that we studied about Nicodemus and how Jesus comes and is talking, uh, or how Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus is talking with him. And Nicodemus has seen many signs that uh, Jesus had been doing and he's questioning Jesus about who he really is. And Jesus comes and says, you have to be born again, born of the Spirit, born of the water and born of the Spirit. And God helped us to understand this place of being born again. As we moved on into this study of chapter 3, we, we spent some time in verse 16, this so familiar verse of where God so loved the world. And we understood that this is a place for his purpose, that God's purpose and plan was being fulfilled in his true love for the world. Last week we looked at chapter 4 and we talked about the woman at the well. And this place, over the, in fact, the last two weeks, we've been studying in chapter 4, the lady, the woman at the well, how Jesus began to uh, talk with her and say, if you're thirsty, come and drink of the water that I have. And he began to tell her that his water would uh, swell up, spring up is the words he used, into an everlasting life. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit in this place, talking to her about living water. And then he began to help us understand that that living water, this Holy Spirit, would flood into the understanding of worshiping and worshiping in spirit and truth. In this place of worship, and I, I love, I was reminded as we were singing these songs of the places that God has brought us to understand this place of worship, not just coming and singing songs, but this place of bowing down before him. And I loved the picture of kissing the ground before him in complete reverence, in complete adoration of who he is. And it's the living water, the Holy Spirit, that allows this type of worship to even take place. Jesus comes and and teaches her as well and says that you, in verse 22, says, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. He's saying you've been worshiping, but you don't even know what you're worshiping. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we talked about this place, how the Holy Spirit helps our spirit and allows our spirit to align with God's spirit in truth in his laws, in his ways, in his purpose. So today, as we continue on in understanding a little bit about this this woman at, uh, this Samaritan woman at the well, it goes on to say that after Jesus had talked to her about these things, 
she threw down her jar and went running into town to tell everyone. She was so overwhelmed and so excited to be able to come and to share with others what she had found. So we're going to take up in verse 39, chapter 4, verse 39. And it says, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word, the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What's really remarkable here is that we see these Samaritans are so drawn to Jesus. They want to know more. They want him to stay. Don't leave. Teach us more. We want to know who you are. They didn't see any signs. Jesus didn't do any signs. He merely talked to them in understandings of truth. But their hearts were willing to believe. And it goes on to say that the woman came in to the town and the, and the Samaritans believed what she said. And then it says in verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. So Jesus comes and stays two more days in Samaria and many more believe simply because of the word, God's word. That is so important for us to hear today. Then verse 42 says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for, our, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. He says, We know because we've heard him. I want you to hear that. We've heard him. And now we know, indeed, this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So that is going to lead us into our study today that starts in verse 43. It says, Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of, Gal out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke for him, or spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the very hour he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew 
that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed in the whole house and his whole household. It says, This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Okay, so what we just began to look at is this place of the Samaritan woman at the well. Her life was changed, and she came to believe in Jesus, not because of signs and wonders, but because of who he is and the truth that he brought. Then she goes into town, and the Samaritans are touched in the same way. They begin to be drawn to Jesus, and they want him to come and teach them more. And then many believed, and it said so clearly, they believed in his word, in what he said to them. And that brought them to the place to see that he was the Christ, the Savior of the world, without any signs. Then he comes to Galilee. And the first thing he tells us is that in verse 44, he says, A prophet has no honor in his own country. He knows already how they feel about him. And that they are not trusting in his words and who he is, but in what they think and how they thought things would be and how they expected the Messiah to come. They already have a preconceived idea of how things should work out. Verse 45 tells us something very interesting. It says, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. So I want you to look back a couple of pages. I believe it's in uh, one page back. In chapter 2, as we studied about this place after he changed the water to wine, it's in verse 13. It says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is what it's talking about, that he did many things and many things at the feast in Jerusalem. And if you'll go on and read in chapter 2, it says um, in verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did. But then you know it goes on, and Daniel taught on this place. It says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So many people, he, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the Passover. Many people see him do signs, and many did believe. But Jesus didn't commit himself. This is the same group of people. So if you turn back to chapter 4, in this verse 20, uh, I'm sorry, 45, this is the group of people. Let's read that again. So when he came to Galilee and the Galileans received him, having seen all things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So they were at the feast. They saw the many signs that Jesus did. 
and it says they received him. I looked this work up, word up, received. The word really means to welcome him in. And they did welcome him in. But I want you to notice that it did not say anything about that they believed and that their lives were changed. So they saw, and it says even many believed, and I think there is a level of believing that they were doing in Jerusalem. And these Galileans, and I think what that believing level is, they were believing in the miracles that he would do, not in who he is. They were believing in the things that he would do for them. Oh my goodness, how many times I see us in that place where we want from Jesus to fix the things that we need, to bring healing, to bring an end to crisis, to fix our financial situations, to do for us the things that we need. And I believe that that's the place that they were welcoming him to come in. Absolutely come in, Jesus. We've seen that you have authority to do the things we need you to do. Come on in and be with us. And I believe that oftentimes we believe in that same manner, that we believe in Jesus for the things that he will do for us. That was not the Samaritans. They didn't see any signs and wonders. They did not see anything but the Messiah, the one who would save the world, the Christ. Their hearts were pure. Such a contrast here. So then in verse 46, it says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water to wine. So it's very interesting. He's in the same city where he changed the water to wine. And I thought, oh, yes, some people just saw the water being turned to wine. Ah, oh, we needed this. And I've, I've heard that taught. It was a party, and Jesus is at the party, and he didn't want the party to end. And so he changed the water to wine so that everybody could continue to party. I think many people saw that exactly that way. Jesus fixed our need. But they didn't understand what Jesus was truly trying to say is that this ceremonial cleansing will no longer be. But now my blood that will be shed for you, that has been saved for the last. And that will be given to all of those that are truly at the wedding party. It goes on in verse 46 and it says, And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. This nobleman, he's a royal official. He uh, probably worked in the king's court. And he probably had quite a bit of money. And he was considered... Um, high up in the city and, and well-respected. And, and it says that his, his son is sick. Then verse 47 says, When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So his son is not only sick, his son is at the point of death. 
So I can imagine that this nobleman having financial security and, and the um, status of the community, that he has tried everything. He's gone to the doctors. He's gone to get the medicine that would be needed. He's probably seen everyone who could, but no one is able to help him. His son is dying. And so it's interesting to me. So I looked this up, and, and where he lives is about 20, uh, 20 miles from Galilee. So he thought, it's worth the journey. My son's dying. But I've heard these things about Jesus. Not only that, as I think it, we'll see a little later, I think he probably had seen some of the things Jesus did. And so he goes to Galilee, and it says he implored him to come down and heal his son, begged him. So this nobleman, who I'm sure is not used to begging for anything, is in a desperate place. It is a tragic situation, and he's got to have help. So he's begging Jesus to come down. But I see that even in this place, he has his own way his own thoughts about it. So he says to Jesus, that to him, to come down and heal his son, he's at the point of death. So he doesn't really trust in what Jesus is going to do, but he's laying out the formula of how he wants it to be. So much like us so many times, that we come to Jesus, we begin to pray in this place of, 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 of complete devastation and despair and we do the same thing we come and start laying out what we need Jesus to do how we need him to fix our problem that's where this nobleman is verse 48 then Jesus said to him unless you people see signs and wonders you will by no means believe so he lumps this man in, you people, when I looked this up, it is truly a plural understanding that this you, he's saying this nobleman, he's lumping him in with these uh, people from Galilee that had gone to the feast. So it tells me he's probably Jewish. And I believe he went to the feast I believe he saw the signs and he wonders. He's and wonders that Jesus did. And Jesus is lumping it together. And he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. He's saying you only believe in the signs and wonders. You don't believe in who I am. You're not where the Samaritans were. Of seeing the truth. Of knowing God's plan and purpose that's being fulfilled in Jesus. No, you just want what Jesus can bring. That's where Jesus responds to him. The nobleman continues on in verse 49. It says, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. You see, he doesn't hear at all what Jesus is saying. No, he's thinking about what he wants and how he wants it to be. Well, that may be fine, Jesus, 
But here is the thing. You've got to come. You've got to go with me. My child is at the point of death. Jesus, in verse 50, says to him, Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went away. Jesus didn't come into what the man wanted. Jesus did what Jesus felt was best. And he told the boy, the man, that the boy lives. But he said before that, he said, go your way, your son lives. Now it says the man believed the word. You see, Jesus put him in a situation where he had to determine what he would believe. Who Jesus really is. He had to decide if he would go on his way, trusting that his son lived before he could see. Before he could see what Jesus had really done, he had to decide to believe. I believe this is a different place of believing in the miracles. I believe this is a place of beginning to trust in Jesus. And if we truly begin to trust in him, we will trust in that he does what is best, what is good. In that place, I believe it changes who we are. I believe our walk comes out of that in strength and in purpose, believing in the truth that God gives I looked at this scripture and read over it several times through the week and at first glance it seems so simple it's about a man who goes to Jesus and is crying out for Jesus to heal his son and that's what we see and and absolutely I've sent people on a journey many times to read about the many places that Jesus brings healing. In fact, when I first began to minister with someone or, or pray with someone that is in a desperate situation and needs God's help in healings, I send them to the gospel and I say, read in these places and you will see the many things Jesus does where he brings healing. And he healed then, and he still heals today. And I think that is absolutely true. And so I think at first glance, we can say, Jesus healed this son. Yay for Jesus. And I think at first glance, that is all true. But what I think God is trying to help us see by helping us understand where the Galileans were, is that they saw the signs and wonders, but it did not move them to Christ, to who he is, to understanding he's the Messiah. It left them in only understanding and wanting his power, his authority to fix 
their situations. You see, I believe God does do signs and wonders. I believe Jesus still to this day does signs and wonders. But they're for the same reason that Jesus was doing them in Jerusalem, that he does them today, and that is to bring us out of the first understanding of believing in the miracles to the next place of believing in who he is. It's always a path leading us into the deeper understanding, into the deep waters of who Jesus truly is. It goes on to say that the man said, So the man believed that what Jesus spoke to him and went his way. You see, he believed in his word. And as he was now going down, the servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. You see, he had to go. He had already gone on the path. He was like, I believe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in you, Jesus, even though I don't see, even though it hasn't happened like I want it to be yet. I'm going with you. And trusting in what you said. And he goes on his journey back. And then the servant come and says, your son lives. And then he inquired of them that very hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. At the seventh hour. Isn't that awesome that they would tell us that very awesome place? At the seventh hour, the place of completion, God was doing in this man a, a complete work. He was moving him beyond just the physical needs into a spiritual trusting, a spiritual understanding, a spiritual belief, a place of belief that would save him eternally. The place to see him as the Christ, the Savior of the world. It goes on and it says, this is the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come out of Judea and into Galilee. I believe he's helping us see these signs are to grow us into a spiritual, out of the first a physical understanding of seeing many signs and wonders into the place of spiritual understanding. I believe that in this place, God began to help me see that on this journey, what happens is, is that our desires have to surrender to trust his goodness, and his purpose for our lives. So I want you to look at a couple of places. Turn with me to, first of all, turn with me to Hebrews 11. Because I want to show you this. It's on page 1381. Before we leave this man and 
and move into some understandings, I thought this is exactly what happened. And it's verse 1 where this is, we many of us are familiar with chapter 11 of Hebrews. It helps us to understand faith. And it says in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, this man was hoping, but not in, I hope God will do this, but in this confidence of, I'm going on, I'm going back, I'm trusting. And his faith became the evidence of things not seen. The things he was confident in, not just, I hope this will happen, but hope in, I'm confident of what God is doing here, brought the evidence of what he had not seen. I love this chapter because it, then it goes on and it talks about how people walked out this place of their faith before they understood the fullness. So I believe that the writer of Hebrews was understanding the story in exactly the same manner that we're looking at it today. So turn with me to Psalms 34. It's on page 638. I was thinking about, as you're turning there, I was thinking about how we oftentimes pray and we come to God giving him this list of, of what's going on around us and the problems that we have and the concerns and the needs. And as we lay out these things, then we always seem to give God, this is what how I need this to work out. You know, this person needs to be healed. This person needs to be help to this person needs this, I need that, whatever it might be. And we, we come in the same way the noble, nobleman did in giving God this instructions on how he should work in our lives. But in this Psalms, I, I felt like it was giving us an understanding that if we understand the heart of who God is and his purpose in our lives, then Everything begins to change. Verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That's that same understanding of believes in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This word does mean pleasant. It means wonderful. It means good. It means exactly that. But it also is a place of better understanding, as we've talked before. It's this place of tov that means for God's purpose. For God's purpose, it is good. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was going through a desperate situation, Kathy had a friend who had a pastor in Nigeria and she was sharing with the friend some of the concerns that we were having and, and my desperate need for God to answer a prayer. And the friend told the pastor in Nigeria and then the pastor in Nigeria wrote the friend back who wrote to Kathy and who gave to me 
And all he said was, God does what is best. God does what is best. Can we believe that in a difficult situation? Can we change our screaming, crying out in a time when we are so desperate to seeing that God would do what is best? I want to take you, there's many, many scriptures you can look up and to see God's goodness but look at one more on page 478. First Chronicles chapter 16. Page 478, First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 34. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercies endure his mercy endures forever. I was thinking about what John is leading us to understand in these places as he began to help us to understand who Jesus was from the very beginning, all the way through. And I saw this place, I saw this place of where the Samaritans were coming to see Jesus exactly as God, uh, as John explained to us in the beginning, that Jesus is God. That he was with God, but that he was God. The Samaritans who knew the Old Testament saw Jesus was God, the Messiah, the Christ. Yes, the Savior of the world. But I believe they trusted in that in a way to, that oftentimes we don't understand, that he is good, that he does what is best. They knew the stories. They knew the truth of God's word. Where the nobleman believed in Jesus' word, the Samaritans believed in the words that Jesus was giving to them. That he would give them living water. That that would lead them into being able to be true worshipers in spirit and truth. That he was and is God. That he was in the beginning with God. But he is also was God. I be believe they begin to see something that sometimes we don't see. And that is who God is. His purpose for his will to be done is good. 
I thought about it so much last night as I uh, had written down lots of information about this story and, and had what I thought was a message. And then when I got in the shower, God just began to open it all back up to me and said, this is where this is. And he began by helping me to see this situation that we had just walked through where our children were in a devastating situation. And as they first called and said, they, their very first words were, please pray for us. Our whole neighborhood is on fire. We didn't really know where they were. And so we wrote back and said, where are y'all? And what is going on? And we began, and they were in such a frantic situation, there really wasn't time to respond. They were trying to get to safety. And it was a moment of crying out to the Lord. And in that time, I heard the Lord say something. And that's what I want us to hear today, is trusting in the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, and hearing what he says to us in his words. Whether it's the written word or the spoken word, he wants to give us something to hold on to in these times of desperation. And he said to me, he said, I have gone before them. And I will go after them. I immediately remembered the verse he was talking about. He was giving me a scripture to hold on to. So turn with me to Deuteronomy 31. It's on page 238. Page 238, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. And the Lord, he is the, the one. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you, and he will be with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. I felt like the Lord was giving me the fullness of this verse. He said very clearly these few words that would lead me to his word, that would bring me into a place of belief, of trusting him, beyond the miracles of what he might do in this situation, to trusting he was in it. Our prayer was that this fire would jump over their house and that all would see the glory of God. Our prayer was that nothing would be harmed. But as they called us after a few minutes and said, we're all together, we've gotten out, 
I began to realize the house wasn't the situation at all that God was calling me to pray into. But to trust in him because he is the one. You see, he caused them to all leave together before the fire even began. He took them out. He went before them and caused them to move. They didn't even know it. They didn't even know the fire was happening. But he went before them. Michelle told us that most of the time when they run to town, they go and just her and, and, and maybe McKenna or, or maybe even Mark, and they would leave the younger kids at the, at the house. God didn't allow that today. He caused it to be. She also told us later on, she said, it's unbelievable. She said, we never go to lunch. She said, we go out to dinner, but we never really go as a family out to lunch. I don't know why we did that that day. He went before them. As they went up the next morning and saw the emptiness of this, where this house stood, and everything is gone, everything is gone. It was interesting because it wasn't as we had prayed. It wasn't that the fire jumped over their house. But interesting enough, the house next to them, the fire jumped over, was totally standing. And I thought, God, you are good. Because you did what was best, not what I asked for. You went before them and you took them out of the fire. And you have said that you will go behind them. So even in this time of difficulty of rebuilding, he will be in it. And I can trust that because of who he is. Yes, because of the word he gave me. Yes, and I love that. But because of his word, he is the word. He is good. His mercies endure forever. So I believe the call today is for us to grow in the places of our our walk with Jesus. To not be a people that merely believe and welcome him for the miracles that he will do. But to be a people that our lives will be changed because of who he is.
in that place, it brings a response. The man left, trusting, believing. He left the desperation. He left the despair. And he walked into God's truth. His peace. His goodness. His love. May this change us today. Join me as we stand and sing. Stripped away. 
say the goodness of the Lord It's always true.